0: and our hope is that you would have a gospel-centered local church that you call home. Thanks again for listening. Well, if you got your Bibles, uh, hopefully you're there. Uh, Acts chapter 10, where is, is uh, Pastor Matt? Thank you for reading uh, verses 9 through 16. Uh, we're going to dive in in just a moment. In the, in the fall of 1968, uh, two, two crazy kids were set up. They were set up on a blind date, a, a bashful, uh, young, aspiring Aggie engineer uh, from the metropolis of Gilmer, Texas. Uh, I don't know if we got any Gilmer, Texas uh, peeps in the, in the building, uh, but also the youngest of, of four, uh, an energetic young uh, Baylor Bear, who was a double English uh, history major uh, from Pasadena, uh, they were set up by their friends. Little, little did they know uh, what God had in, in store for their lives and their future. This, this wide eyed uh, young couple was uh, Donald and Janet Brooks. Uh, uh, Dad, I, I had to get the story straight, so I called him this week. Dad drove up to Waco, uh, took mom out to a movie. They watched West Side Story, so that's legit. Uh, I asked mom. I said, "What was Dad wearing?" She she was like, "I don't know. Probably the same slacks and button-up shirt that he wore for decades as an engineer." And I said, "Well, did he did he like leave the pocket protector back in his dorm?" Uh, she said, "Yes, I think he did." So that was that was a that was a win for Dad. Uh, everybody loves a a good setup story. Everybody loves a good setup story. Church. We, we've already been talking about the fact that God, God has already been at work. Like he, he's been at work. In uh, Peter, he was, uh, we've talked about how God was moving him uh, out of Jerusalem. He had, he had landed in Lydda. Now he's in Joppa. And, and, but God was setting up Peter for something that there is no way. He could even imagine or fathom, and, and, and no doubt, and, and we're going to see this this morning. Uh, impetuous, uh, headstrong Peter—he uh, listen. He did his best to do things his way, but ultimately, we're going to see God's God's will and God's plan prevail. And Peter is thrust deeper into the mission of God and the blueprint. Of Acts 1.8. Continues to unfold. Remember we've seen this throughout Acts. When Acts 1.8 says. Hey listen. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. You're going to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem. Judea. Samaria. And to the ends of the earth. So that blueprint continues to unfold. In Acts 10. Now I would just. I would just pause here and say. As, as we. As we dive in, and as we look at God setting up Cornelius, setting up Peter, I, I would just ask Christian, what about you? Christian, what is, what is God setting you up for right now? See, again, my, my fear is too many of us, We're, we are so distracted we're so distracted by the noise, we're, we're caught up in all this cultural chaos, we're, we're seduced by, by the pull of the world and what the world is telling us to think or, or how to behave, what to do. And listen, Christian, if, if, if that's you, uh, you, you might just be oblivious to the fact that God is trying to set you up. And he may be trying to set you up for your next kingdom sort of mission assignment. Uh, and and you, may, you may be missing it. And this morning, let's let's learn from Peter, right? Let's, let's learn from the apostle Peter and let's be let's be prepared for the setup. And, and more than that, let's be prepared for obedience. Amen. So so few things. Better get that. Might be mom calling. I don't know. A few things. Three things that we see that that God is is all about this morning in our text. As you look at verse 9 and 10, the first thing that God is about, God is about preparation. God is about preparation. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, Preparation. I know we got a couple, uh, at least a couple of folks in here who are uh, about to be married in the next uh, month or two. And you're like, yeah, I know about preparation. (laughs) God is about preparation. God is about preparation. Look at verses 9 and 10. The next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up on the housetop about the sixth hour to pray. He became hungry. He wanted something to eat, but while they were preparing it, he fell into a trance. In the, in the, in the Greek, it's a it's a, a vision, and so the sixth hour would have would have been noon. And though there there's though there's some debate over whether this was one of the uh, some some folks think there was a a couple two prescriptive kind of prayer times uh, for Jews during the day. Some say three. Uh, but but whether this is one of the persp- uh, prospective times of Jewish prayer, like I, I tend I tend to believe that Peter simply slipped away onto the roof for a time of personal communion with with the Lord to seek the Lord. I, I, I read I read at least one commentator this week that said perhaps Peter got up on the rooftop to so he could pray, yes, but also so he could breathe in some fresh Judean air. Because remember. He's basically staying in an animal slaughterhouse with, uh, in Joppa with Simon the Tanner. And verse 10 tells us that as Peter prayed, he, he became famished. Uh, Peter, Peter was a man after my own heart. <laughs> uh, some some uh, like get real spiritual with it. They think Peter was fasting maybe I think Peter was like me, like the closer it gets to mealtime, like there's one thing that I'm thinking about, true story, uh, it's grub. So so down below in the casa, they're, they're starting to prepare the meal, but listen, as, as they were preparing the meal, God was preparing Peter, amen? So God is God is at work, he's preparing Peter's heart, and apparently food was on Peter's mind because that's exactly what he dreams about. Y'all, y'all ever, I, I feel like that's a common thing. You, you go to bed thinking about something and, 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 and you end up dreaming about it. Has that happened to, to you guys? Uh, I, I remember, listen, as, as, a, as a kid, I, uh, I, I, didn't just, I didn't just dream. I don't know why I thought about this story this week, probably because it had to do with food. Uh, I didn't just dream as a kid. I, I, I would sleep uh, talk and I would sleep walk. Uh, True story, my big sister used to babysit Stephanie and would, one of Steph's favorite things was my sister just tell her all the embarrassing sleepwalking and talking stories. So, but we still worked out, so that's good. (laughs) When I was around the twins age, probably uh, 12, uh, 11, 12 years old, I I, I pulled an all-nighter over at my friends Mike and Charles' place uh, so we, we never, never went to sleep and, and I didn't get home until later that afternoon. And as hungry as I was, uh, I ended up just crashing around 6 o'clock that night as my parents were preparing uh, dinner. Um, but I, so, so this is why I resonate with Peter even more. I, I ended up sleepwalking into the kitchen. While my, my, my mom, my dad, my sister were finishing up dinner, they were cleaning up dinner, I, I walked into the kitchen, I, I opened up the refrigerator, I, I grabbed a big bowl of green peas and I, I, I commenced to taking the bowl to, to my lips to take a giant swig of green pea juice and my dad came and snatched the bowl out of my hand and got me back to sleep. Needless to say, I don't think my my preteen dream had quite the significance of Peter's dream in Acts chapter 10. But God, listen, God would use a, a this dream, this vision to get a hold of Peter. We're going to see that more in a moment. But church fam, listen, Peter was a leader. He He was... He was the primary apostle of the scriptures. God, God used Peter as his divine instrument to shape the early church. And, and listen, in such a significant way. But Peter, Peter was more than just a little rough around the edges. His, his pitfalls went beyond uh, loose lips and a, and a quick fuse. Listen, Peter, we got to understand, as a staunchly faithful Israelite had some deep-seated biases, deep-seated prejudices against the Gentiles like many Jews did during the day. But if Peter was going to, check this out, if Peter was going to be used by God, and if the mission of Acts 1-8 was going to continue to unfold, God needed, hear me, God needed to prepare Peter For some character and some life transformation. Derek Thomas, I love this, said this. It has been suggested that Acts 10 is as much about the conversion of Peter from racial prejudice as it is about the conversion of Cornelius. And as much as Cornelius needed to be uh, prepared for the message of the gospel, Peter's heart needed to be prepared for his own walls of pride and prejudice to be brought down and to be brought low by God. F.F. Bruce, another commentator, said this. Ironically, a a God-fearing Gentile like Cornelius had no objection to the society of the Jews, but even, Bruce says this, even a moderately Orthodox Jew would not willingly enter into the home, the dwelling of a Gentile, even a God-fearing Gentile. Church, listen, before God could move through Peter, he had to move in Peter. He had to change his heart. God was doing a work of preparation, and, and it begs the question, here's, here's the application, ready? Ready? What is God preparing you for? What is God preparing you for? Listen, like I I, I don't know what everybody's going through. I, I know for many, 2020 has been a was a hard year. <laughs> Everybody got amped up about 2021 for about five days. Okay, um, I, I I don't know what you're going through, but 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 I know I know this Christian. God is preparing you. He's preparing you for mission. He's, he's, he's trying to prepare your heart. but the question is where, where does God need to do spiritual surgery on your heart? what What aspect of your character is, is he trying to refine and and restore? Listen, no no doubt about it. God's work of preparation is rarely comfortable, right? It's rarely comfortable, like we see this uh, in the life of Peter, but it's necessary. It's necessary for the mission. It's necessary for our hearts and our lives to get in sync with the heart and the character of God, amen? Second thing this morning as we look at verses 11 through 15, God is about people. God is about people. Why don't you look at your neighbor and say, people. (laughs) Look <laughs> at other neighbor and say, people. people. God is about people. Look at verses 11 through 15. It says this. He fell into a trance and he saw the heavens open in something like a great sheet descending, being let down by its four corners upon the earth. In it were all kinds of animals and reptiles and birds of the air. And there came a voice to him, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Verse 14. But Peter says... By no means, Lord. For I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean. And the voice came to him a second time: "What God has made clean, do not call common." God is God is about people. Listen, God. This is a big deal of restoration. God God speaks primarily through His Word. Amen. God speaks through the scriptures, but he, listen, the spirit of God is is not limited in how he can move and how he will move in in people's lives, amen? God still works and God still moves, I believe, through dreams. Pastor, Pastor Steph and I have heard stories. Pastor Tony Marita tells a story of an old classmate, not not too many years ago, who was ministering to Muslims in Washington D.C. and, and, and Marita says one day a Muslim man approached his friend and asked, uh, "Who is I am?" Who is I am? I keep seeing I am in my dreams. And after giving a, a summary explanation, he gave the, the seeker a Bible and he encouraged him to read the Gospel of John. And it wasn't long until he led this man to faith in Jesus. And at the point, at that point, the, the, the man who had been converted to Christianity said, Many of the I am statements that I read in John, I first heard in my my dreams. Back to the word. Church, God, listen, God was at work. He, he used this double vision in Cornelius and in Peter's lives. And in verse 11 and 12, in his vision, Peter, he, he sees this, this sheet drop down from the heavens. And it's filled, check this out, with both clean and unclean animals. And then, and then the unthinkable. If you were a Jew, voice, the 13, uh, verse 13, the voice says, uh, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And in the Greek, it wasn't just a regular kill. It was, hey, I, I want you to sacrifice these to God, and then I want you to eat them. <laughs> in verse 14, Peter, like, like Peter is, is prone to do, he, he argues with God. And, and I want you to catch, like, Peter says, no, Lord, Like right there, like that's an oxymoron. I don't know if y'all are catching that. He says, "No, Lord." Like like Peter's, "No master, (laughs) no God who is over uh, and sovereign and over and in control of every square inch of my life." No. But then look at his response. I've never eaten anything that is common or unclean. See the very thought. The very thought of a faithful Israelite eating something that, that, that was defiled, something prohibited by, by Levitical law, like this was this was appalling. Like you think back to Daniel, think back to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and and Daniel, his three friends, who, who they were willing even to put their lives on the line to stay true to the diet prescribed by God's law. Even, even in a, in a foreign land, they would not defile themselves with Gentile food. And, And the question you gotta ask is why? Why? Why was this so important to the Jews? Better yet, why, like, why was this so important uh, back in the day to God? Like, why did God put these these laws in place? Clearly, they were not permanent. Clearly, they were they were meant to be. Uh, th- those laws were meant to be temporary, and it goes back to Israel's listen their years of sojourning in the land of Canaan there was this constant pull to be like the nations. There was this constant pull to be like the nations around them. To worship their gods. To, to accept their, their customs and their ways. So for Israel, with the... the with circumcision with their sabbath laws with their dietary laws they were a means of listen visibly setting them apart from the surrounding nations you have to go back if you want to jot down leviticus 11 if you also if you want to jot down deuteronomy chapter 14 the church fam listen it's important to understand and Derek thomas says it like this As tempting as it is to think that this is a divine form of uh, sort of health management in more primitive times, Thomas says this, the reason given for these laws has more to do with holiness than hygiene. Y'all with me this morning? The reason given for these laws had more to do with holiness than hygiene. The more the, the, the purpose was moral and spiritual, designed to create a difference between Israel and Canaan. Listen, church family it, it was we talked about this a little bit uh, last Sunday. It, it was It was never about the food. Listen, like that pork belly was not intrinsically evil in Peter's day, just like praise the Lord, it's not intrinsically evil in our day. Rather, the dietary laws were a means uh, to the end of being holy, uh, being set apart for God, which is a major emphasis of Leviticus. But then, so so it's like this. When we say, why why did God hand these down? Every every parent knows when, when your kids are little, you have some variation of, of the, the stranger danger conversation, although none of my kids apparently have ever met a stranger. Um, but you have these true story, uh, but you have you have that conversation. And, and now, of course, listen, we all know, like, obviously, uh, not not every stranger is is an evil horrible person but but the the comprehensiveness of the instruction for your children and, and its enforcement acts sort of as is this this safeguard for your kids so for example uh, you know making sure that our, our kids uh, is is they more and more are using technology don't just get on open chats making sure that they don't uh, open themselves up to uh, adults that we don't know and that we don't trust So so Paul, Paul, follow me. Paul talks about this in Galatians 4. It's it's like God was treating Israel like a child. God was treating Israel like a child to protect them from dangers and deception that they didn't even see. That they that they they, they couldn't see. And so every parent knows that the drill with little ones, like in Hey, like don't don't touch that. Like hey, seriously, please do not eat that. Put put the bug down, right? Like don't 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 touch that. Don't don't eat that. Um, but with God, it wasn't just about the food. It was about Israel remaining faithful to him. It was about Israel being set apart unto God. But somewhere in the mix, Israel started to believe that they were better and they they started to refer to the Gentiles as dogs, and they thought of them that way and because so much of, of social life happens around the table. They, they, they didn't and they wouldn't mix with the Gentiles. They, they wouldn't enter into their homes. And also along the way, Israel got it all twisted and they began to think that, that somehow the diet itself is what made them clean and what made them holy, not the God who had called them out. And so that's why when Jesus comes along, Jesus had to set everybody straight. So you see this in Mark chapter 7, verse 14. Jesus, he calls the people to him in Mark 7, 14, again, and he said to them, hear me. All of you, and understand, there is nothing outside a person that be, that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. When he entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, Mark seven eighteen then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Since it, since it enters not his his heart, but... But his stomach and is expelled. Thus he declared all foods clean. In verse 20, and he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. And Jesus said, All these evil things come from within, and they defile. A person. See, by the time of Jesus' day, listen, it was all about outward appearances. Y'all with me? For the Jews, it was all about outward appearances. And so it was all about their, their status as God's people, even if they weren't following God. And then for a Gentile, for a God-fear like Cornelius, no matter how good, no matter how pious, no matter how much he was actively pursuing the God of Israel, he would be on the outside due to his diet and lack of circumcision. And here's the key that we've got to understand. Here's the significance of the vision. It wasn't just about the contents of the sheet. It wasn't just about the animals. God is about people. God is about all people. He was setting up Peter to fully embrace that God is about all people. And the significance of verse 15 is is this. Formerly quote-unquote, unclean people were being gathered together and being cleansed by the person and work of Jesus Christ. Amen? Th- those, see, those food restrictions that were meant to set Israel apart, had becomes a, 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 they'd become a means not only of, of isolating themselves from the Gentiles, but also they'd become a means of arrogance and prejudice and racism. The Gentiles, but God, God was breaking down the wall in Christ. Amen. And here's the application. Ready? Now, now would be a really good time for the church to be reminded, to, to look around and, and remind ourselves that God is about all people. Amen. God is about all people. Like, some of y'all need to hear this this morning. Listen, God, it's crazy. God is saving Republicans and Democrats. Like, I know, it's crazy. It's crazy talk. I love the diversity of our community. God, listen, God is saving international students all over Bryan College Station. Amen? God, like, God God saved my, my friends Nate and Laura. God saved my friend Nick right out on the sidewalk. God, uh, over the last few years, God has saved two of our, of our children, our, our twins. He may save you this morning if you will call out to Jesus and trust in Jesus. God, listen, God is about all people. God is about all people. Like We, listen, we need to get over ourselves. We need to, church, we need to get back to some gospel urgency over the fact that there are people all around us who who might die in their sin and spend an eternity in hell if we don't move toward them and open up our mouths and tell them about Jesus. Like our hearts need to be burdened with that passion. With that gospel urgency, because if God is about all people, we need to be about all people. Third thing is this. As you look at verse 16, it says this happened three times and the thing was taken up at once to heaven. God, God is about persistence. Amen. I want you to look at your neighbor and say persistence. That was pretty weak. Let's let's try it one more time. Look at your other neighbor and say persistence. persistence. I know we're coming down the home stretch. Y'all stay with me. God is about persistence. See, whether, whether, verse 16, whether we, we, we realize it or not, it is a verse that is saturated with the grace of God. It says this happened three times, three, three times. Like God, like God didn't owe Peter that, (laughs) like, yet he was patient and and persistent with Peter. Like I, I think about like the heavenly father versus like this earthly father, like this past week, uh, Levi's in the back. But this last week, I'm I'm helping Levi with homework, uh, which usually Mama's helping with homework. But I was helping with English. Mom helps with the math homework. Uh, I was helping with English English language arts homework. So we're sitting down and and we're we're looking we're we're looking at predicate nominatives and direct objects and indirect objects uh, indirect objects and. All the things, right? And we go over the definitions one time, right? Like this dad goes over the definitions one time. And then, and then Levi's stumbling through the, the questions and I'm already getting snippy and cranky with poor Levi. And I'm like, how are you not a master of sentence construction after two minutes of doing your ELA homework, right? Needless to say, praise praise the lord that he is far more of a patient and persistent heavenly father than i am a father see this this threefold repetition in scripture is is always significant it's meant to convey intensity and importance so so for peter we've seen the significance of 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 uh, that that threefold repetition, the number three before in the gospels, there were three denials of Jesus in Jesus' darkest hour. And then in John 21, we see this threefold restoration of Peter. Three times, Jesus says, feed my lambs. He says, take care of my sheep. Then he says, feed my lambs. Isn't it crazy to think that at the end of John's gospel, Peter's understanding of that lamb pool was far too limited. Y'all with me? Far too limited. And no doubt the only sheep that he had in view at the end of John uh, would have been that that God was calling him to feed would have been the, the, the lost sheep of Israel. And I can't help but think that there might be a connection between the threefold restoration and repetition of Jesus' words in John 21 and the threefold repetition of the vision in Acts 10. In essence, listen church, Jesus was letting Peter know, hey, there are many more sheep that you don't know about, that you're missing. And if I say they're clean, they're clean. And even as Peter balked and as he bristled at the command, God was willing to persist in Peter, graciously revealing a a scope of redemption that Peter had failed to grasp. Are are you all with me? Because here, here's the application. This is us, man. We're we're we got t- too many of us. We've we got tunnel vision. We're 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 living church. We're living in our little box, our little echo chambers. And here's what you need to do. We're 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 getting so ungracious. We're getting so angry with one another. And here's what we need to do. Think about God's persistence in your life. Specifically, think about His grace, His great grace that He's poured out on you. His grace toward your your sin toward your your own balking and and bristling at His commands and and not wanting to take those steps of obedience. And think about God's patience and persistence with you and and let this this wash over you. Are you reflecting that same patience and that persistence, that same persistence to others? Knowing. 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 How faithful and loving and gracious God has been towards you. Is that being directed outward? Now I'll, I'll close, I'll close with this. God was, God was setting up Cornelius. He, he was setting up Peter. God, God was on the move and he was inviting people into his mission. When Peter got up on top of that roof, y'all, he had no idea. No clue what, what God had in store. Tony Evans says this, the Lord was getting ready to teach Peter about more than mere changes to his diet. He was, uh, Tony Evans says he was about to break down racial divides and signal the dawning of a new day. See, if you think about it, God, God was setting him up and God, God is all about this. It, it, it's, it's a good thing. Think about it like the the entirety of the Old Testament is about was about setting the world up for the person and work of Jesus. And Christian, God may be trying to set you up right now, but but do you have the ears to hear? Like, do you have the eyes to see? Do you have the heart to respond to what God is trying to do in you? And you cannot encounter Jesus on your own terms. That that ego, that, that self-righteousness, that that denial of sin, that prejudice or racism, that greed, that worldliness, that that idolatry. It's gonna have to be dealt with to follow Jesus and to be on mission with him. And this morning, here's the call. Are you gonna are you gonna work with or against the movement of God? Are you going to work, if God is setting you up, are you going to work with or or against the movement of God? Will you humble yourself so that Christ will be exalted in your life and be exalted in your world? Y'all pray with me this morning.